tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops. It's going to get, get, get kind of hectic as we dive into Jeff Speakman's The Perfect Weapon, a Kempo classic with all the thrills and frills. Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Hops and Box Office Flops. I am your host, the Thunderous Wizard, a.k.a. Writer TLK on Twitter. And along with me is... Uh, your co-host, I guess, the irate lover. He's back. He's been having a uh, bit of back pain, and I have a recommendation for him. Uh, I think he needs to go to Sal Bandini. I think he needs to get stretched. We should probably leave that leave that joke alone. <laughs> A nice stretching would do you good. I'm just going to say that. Are you to, allowed to do a callback to something that had like less than 10 viewers? Uh, we had 36. <laughs> oh, nice. Just blown up. So tonight's episode, we're going to cover The Perfect Weapon, a uh, 1990, what was it, 1991? <laughs> yeah, sounds Somewhere in the right. 90s. Had to be early uh, 90s. Martial arts classic. This was in the era of... We're just, martial arts uh, movies. Really liberal with the word classic there. It's not a classic. <laughs> There's a lot of gene fighting. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, denim and flannel in this movie. It's pretty So scary. much denim. So much tight denim. And that that's going to bring me into, uh, how would you describe this movie in one sentence? Um, a man who practices karate well into his 40s gets a family friend murdered. He does get him murdered. Yeah, it is his fault. I don't know. The, I mean, I full disclosure, I owned this movie on VHS growing up in the 90s. I probably saw it 20 times as a kid. But, um, yeah, revisiting it, something. I think something was wrong with me as a kid. It's, uh, it's not great. I don't think there's a dispute about that. So my, I actually had two sentences. Uh, the first was, ahead of the fashion curve, a man takes down a Korean gang in skinny jeans. Okay, yeah. I don't think they were skinny jeans. I think that Jeff Speakman's just... They were super tight. Yeah, but I don't think you can, like, put jeans on that man that wouldn't be tight. I think he's just wearing normal jeans. That's a good call. I, you know, that's fair. All right, so my second one would be, elaborate Kenpo infomercial relishes in stereotyping Asians as evil drug lords... And makes fighting crime in jeans and cowboy boots cool before Walker, Texas Ranger ever could. That was a lot of words and some adjectives in there. That was, uh, yeah, sure. I like mine better. What's the one that they actually had on, like, uh, cable or IMDb? So the actual description for this film was an expert. That's Jeff Speakman, in case you didn't know. Yeah, no shit. In Kempo, karate, avenges his Chinatown friend. By the way, his Chinatown <laughs> friend, even though this movie centers around a Korean gang. I'm pretty sure there was a speech about being Korean. <laughs> yeah. Slain by a mobster in Los Angeles. And the tagline was, no guns, no knife, no equal. Which is sort of horseshit because 
he actually uses knives on a few occasions. I do movie. remember him laying knives down next to his two wooden sticks. Yeah, in the he's got the fight. he's got the wooden sticks. And if I would have done more research, I'd know what those sticks are called. But honestly, I just didn't care enough to figure that out. Baton, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Short, short bow staff. I do like that he just went to town on that upside down couch to show you how hard those wooden sticks were. So that really, I mean, there's a lot of interesting, like, hey, let's watch this guy do Kempo shirtless stuff. It reminded me, well, yeah, uh, probably one of the best opening scenes for a martial arts movie ever. He just basically... Did you, did you say the best? <laughs> he's just He just gets off his construction job and starts doing forms in his living room. So it liberally, like, it liberally samples from Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse, where he's wearing, like absurdly small sweatpants and just doing like a form in his living room. Well, multiple forms. He's a Kempo master jackass. I'll tell you this. The thing that bothered me the most was when he's done alone in his own living room after a nice workout of doing karate, he puts a, a, a robe on like a heavy robe that's disgusting. <laughs> why would, in your own living room, why, when you're in sweatpants and you're real hot and sweaty after a workout, why would you ever just put a robe on? <laughs> Can we talk about the amount of Crisco he was wearing during that scene? <laughs> he was lubed up. He looked like Kramer when, when Newman was envisioning him as a turkey because he'd been Can overcooked he? in the hot tub. Correct. That's exactly what he looked like. He looked good. He was pretty lubed up in the uh, the dojo fight scene, too. Surprised they could pick him up. Super lubed up in the dojo fight scene. That's probably why he won. Because they couldn't like land anything flush. It was just slipping <laughs> off of him. I'll be honest. I was by the way, did you notice I we'll probably get to the dojo fight scene later. Well, whatever. To start the fight, some guy just uh like axe kicks a piece of wood and it breaks and then they cut out and they start fighting and then that board's not broken anymore shit's getting kind of hectic throughout the movie. I mean, they, maybe they replaced it. Who knows? This The soundtrack to this movie is great. And also... Uh... So when you when you say the soundtrack is great, there's one song in a nightclub, a provocative song, and then there's two uses of I've Got the Power. <laughs> right. Like I said, the soundtrack is fantastic. It's and, literally a single. Like so, It's when you buy a single. It's got A-side, B-side. It's the same song. It's like when you buy a single, but then there's like one other song on the single for some reason. By the way, when we say buy a single, we've just dated ourselves terribly. I bought the tag team Whoop There It Is single, and it had another song on it. What single did I have? I definitely had Ice Ice Baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think I had Jump by Criss Cross. I'm pretty sure I had that, too. Of the two. I'd mention others, but they'd be too incriminating. Fair. I, uh, I, I unabashedly love this movie though. Like it's an old school, just action flick. It, the beginning of it kind of has the, uh, the, the blood sport beginning where like <clears throat> one kid defends another kid and then there's really bad acting and stuff like that. There is very similar flashbacks that serve no actual purpose just like in Bloodsport it's like oh the troubled youth finds his way like they actually cast three different versions of the main character who is also <laughs> named Jeff by the way the movie's was... only an hour and a half long <laughs> I'm gonna be white racist here I think the guy they cast as high school Jeff looked a lot like all grown up Adam 
I thought they were the same actor for a second. They very well could have been. They all had the same hair, very quaffed and feathery. The budget for the movie was only $10 million. Only? Uh, it made fourteen point six zero six million, so it wasn't you know that bad. Profitable. Uh, there's only 11 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes because for some of these older movies, it's really hard to come by. And the best reviewer quote I found was, better than expected actioner that was supposed to launch Jeff Speakman into a big-time movie career. Then Street Night shot that notice down. So my question is, should we have watched Street Night? Um, yeah, I think we might just do that leisurely instead of for the podcast. I, I watched the trailer, and it's essentially Rogue Cop. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Mm-hmm. Rogue Cop. Mm-hmm. Out of Control Cop. Saves City from Violet Street Gangs. And uh, so in that one, he needs guns, which I think it kind of cheapens the whole appeal. He uses guns? Oh, yeah, lots of guns in that trailer. I started watching it. By the way, James Brolin, who's Josh Brolin's dad, for all you youngsters, that's Thanos. James Brolin. Also, uh, is it Thanos or uh, Thanos? Whatever it is. (laughs) The movie version of Pee Wee Herman and Pee Wee's Big Adventure, James Brolin. That's you have a problem. So yeah, the trailer for Street Night is, yeah, watch it. You should. It's great. I'll actually post it to our Twitter at uh, Hops and Beer. How many Flops. movies has Speakman done? I thought this would be like the only one. Surprisingly, he's in a lot of. Well, as we'll discuss, his big time movie career really flamed out after this. There was supposed to be a sequel to this. He had signed a four picture deal. None of that really materializes, and then he sort of becomes. B-movie extraordinaire guy. My cousin and I, so another fantastic action film, uh, Lionheart, another favorite of mine growing up. My cousin noticed when we were watching it recently, sadly, that Speakman's in at the end of it. He's one of the security guards in like the final fight scene. It's uh, pretty clutch. So who would stretch who? You got to stop would, talking would, about would it. Speak- <laughs> Would Speakman stretch Van Damme? Who or would vice stretch versa? who is very inappropriate. I can tell you this. I can tell you this with absolute certainty. They'd both stretch Seagal, no problem. What? We really need to find out. Oh, by the way, in this movie, another great, real random thing was when he was looking for the guy that killed Kim. He said, uh, he goes into that dojo and he's like, eh, I'm looking for a guy, uh, spider tattoo, uh, real good at Taekwondo. How does he just know what other martial art these people practice? That was a, a really insane poll by him. Why wouldn't he just say, like, Kimpo? Also, why is he like, hey, I'm looking for a guy who's 400 pounds. <laughs> have, have you seen the 400-pound Asian guy? <laughs> I'm pretty... Oh, good God. Like, how many of them are there running around the city? Is, it part, is one of your segments today going to be... helping me differentiate between all the Asian people in this movie? Well, I can assure you uh, this movie does stereotype very hard because most, almost all of the actors are not Korean, but they're all supposed to be Korean in the movie. (laughs) Tell me at least the, uh, the guy that gives a speech about Kim is Kim Korean. No. Uh. (laughs) Mako. You know, he's the trainer in sidekicks. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's also, I forget his, his character name, but Conan the Destroyer, the bad Conan movie. Oh, there's a good Conan movie? Is the uh, yes. the fat guy in this with the knife belt, does, is he the guy from Three Ninjas? Yes. <laughs> he gets lit up? He's also Sub-Zero from The Running Man. That guy's had a pretty great career. He uh, 
He's going to be in another movie we're going to cover fairly soon. He's in uh, Last Action Hero. He's uh, one of the bodyguards. But, yeah, he's like literally the go-to guy for, hey, big, intimidating-looking guy. I loved his moves in this. Like, everybody else was doing pretty standard movie kicks and punches. He would do like a two-handed punch and then pause for effect. His move was literally, my knees are really bugging me. And let's just do a quick cut after I do whatever I'm doing so I can sit down. <laughs> That's messed up. <laughs> yeah, he was he was walking pretty ginger in this if you movie. You could stop picking on uh sub six foot, three hundred pound man, I'd really appreciate that. He was uh you know, he was on an episode of Wild and Crazy Kids, the old Nickelodeon show. What? Yeah. <laughs> it was a pro wrestler themed episode and I'm guessing he was a pro wrestler. But if he was, I'm not familiar with his pro wrestling career. So He had to be a wrestler. Yeah. All right. So I have a few questions. So the plot of this film essentially revolves around a kid who is, his mother dies. Now this is going way deeper than the movie really even needed to. It just could have been about a guy who shows up in Chinatown and his friend gets murdered and he goes on a quest for revenge. But he's a kid from the wrong side of the tracks and he finds Kempo to sort of discover self-discipline is he though he just seems like a suburban white kid that's a little mad really his dad's just kind of an asshole is what i took from it his dad throws him out of the house for defending his little brother so there's a scene in this film where ox from saved by the bell no (laughs) ox from saved by the bell is a football player who's talking trash to his brother and after jeff is done pole vaulting (laughs) which by the way comes back they, there's, it's not just thrown in there, dude. You can't no see reason. that guy's face. I did not know. Is he? Uh, is he in? Um, can't buy me love. Is he a football player in that too? I'm sure he is. Wow, typecast. So Ox from Ugh. from Saved by the Bell literally like backhands Jeff's brother, and Jeff's like, "Oh, is that how it's gonna be?" Throws like a, this kick combo before launching into a giant spinning back kick, knocking Ox unconscious. It really ineffective way to fight a man wearing football pads is to kick him in the helmet three or four times the worst place to kick him he does kick him with his track spikes in the stomach once but so then his dad kicks him out of the house because he's too dangerous and this is like well the 290 pound guy was gonna step on my brother's head maybe maybe i should have stopped him i don't know yeah it's uh my dad's just a dick he's an awful parent and even, like, the whole movie centers around, like, he's so certain that Jeff is going to murder someone. By the way, Jeff Speakman is the actor's name, and his name in the movie and is also and he's Jeff. Jeff. yeah. It's very creative. Mm-hmm. I do have a question about after Ox got knocked out by the pole vaulter. Do you think he was so ashamed he then had to transfer to Bayside High School? <laughs> so this is sort of the, the, the prequel to how he became the big, goofy, lovable jock at Bayside. I hope that we can live in a universe where the perfect weapon and Saved by the Bell just share cast. Just an interconnected universe. Like maybe there's an episode out there in the ether where Speakman shows up and teaches Kempo at gym class. <laughs> he teaches Kempo and then Lisa Turtle picks up on the forms and then does the dance at some dance and it becomes a big craze. I could see that. The sprain. Yeah. See? Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Or he karate kicks the bottle of pills out of jesse's hand yeah like when she's like i'm so excited and he's like i've got the power instead of no dose she has to take painkillers because he keeps beating her ass during karate class <laughs> what were they what was the name of their group 
I don't the remember. The banana splits? I don't remember. Something like that. Whatever. We're not talking about Saved by the Bell. No. Or, or are we? There's no chance that was a flop. I wonder how much that made. So uh, even though Jeff's dad knows that Jeff has serious potential to become a homicidal maniac, when he shows up to the Kempo school, he says, or no, he says this to Mako, when Mako says, I know the path, like, we can send him to Kempo school. Wait, wait, wait. did you just impersonate? Well, well, he sounds like an old guy. (laughs) Your old Japanese voice is uh, pretty spot on. And he says, it's not one of those hippie schools, is it? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're a... Uh, an Irish cop. They, I think this movie is in California. Is my best it's guess. Some, it's somewhere. You got to be anti hippie. It's mean. somewhere on a studio lot because the buildings are all clearly fake, and there's no cars actually moving aside from when the heavy set Asian assassin guy uh, Sub Zero is driving. He's in two chase scenes. He's literally one of three cars in both of those scenes. Having, yeah, that, that dad's just weird. He hates. Again, I come back to I don't know why you would be so mad at your kid. He he never really does anything. He just defends his little brother. No, he all he did was beat up a jock for slapping his brother. Slapped him so hard he made his nose bleed. Also, I, we should probably give Sub Zero his real name. He's Professor Toro Tanaka. Uh, Sub Zero's real name is Professor Toro Tanaka. Yes, and in this movie, he's essentially the kingpin of Daredevil fame. Although he takes the flower out of his pocket, puts it on, then commits the murder, then puts the flower on the body. Why he doesn't enter the building wearing the flower? Because he's not very fast. Rude. He's letting, yeah, he's just letting himself know he's about to kill. Like, he's like warning the guy. And and if Mako was paying any attention, he could have just slipped out of bed. Can we start saying Mako? There's no way it's Mako, is it? It's like a Mako shark. (laughs) I don't know what that is. It's a shark. I got that. I picked up on that from the context clue, Dick. All right. So, yeah. So, uh, just ex- going a little further with the plot. He gets kicked out of his house for beating up uh, some jock. Then uh, some family friend named Kim that convinces dad to get him into Kempo Karate to control his anger. The hippie school. The hippie school. Uh, he ends up getting uh, pushed around by these uh, Korean mafia gentlemen. So they're shaking them down. It's like uh, any sort of mafia thing. But before we get there, let's go to the, the uh, just abundance of flashbacks. Mm. So we get a young Jeff learning the ropes in Kempo school where they literally assault each other at the end of class. Pass it on. Yeah, they pass it on. And uh, he's learning the, you know, he's learning the ways. He's He's getting good and we get probably the greatest montage in film history. Just roundhouse kicking where it's into just new belts. A, a series of roundhouse kicks accompanied by the changing of the belt color. It's uh, it was probably my like third favorite scene in the movie. So we go from young Jeff to then seventeen year old Jeff. The best part about that though is they don't even use like the because it's a super close up of his groin doing the roundhouse. And they don't even use the kick as like a wipe for the screen. He does the roundhouse, and then it's just another person's body with a different belt. <laughs> we can't even really be sure they were actually doing the kicking. It <laughs> no. could have just been the sound effect. Yeah, it was it was pretty great. So in like, I don't know, one minute you see him training, getting new belts, and all of a sudden he's a black belt. All of a sudden he's a black belt, and 
yet he still doesn't quite grasp how to become a master. You know, he's too much of a tiger. He needs to be a dragon. He's all about the attack. And Where the fuck did that ring come from? If you have belts, why do you also need a ring? So his sensei gives him a ring, and half the ring is a tiger, which is the more dangerous half because it's like it's it, it has like a pointy edge to it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. When he's fighting people, does he put the flat edge or the tiger? He's edge always up? the tiger edge when he's fighting. So he's just cutting people up. Oh yeah, he's going after it. <laughs> It's like literally a miniature pair of brass knuckles for, for just the one finger. I don't understand. I've never seen like a ring be given to someone for martial art. Well, how many how many you know black belts do you have? I got a yellow belt. My, no joke. My mom took me to a karate class because the instructor looked like Richard Gere when I was like seven years old. <laughs> So your mom was trying to hit on the instructor. Dude, all these local moms found out how hot this karate instructor was. The gymnasium was, like, full. And then his wife walked in, and they all found out he was married, and, like, the attendance was cut in half. It was a true story. Can I ask a serious question? Yeah. Did uh, Karate Richard Gere actually know karate, or did he just (laughs) figure this was, like, a really effective way to make money? (laughs) Uh, Neither. I don't think he was good at karate nor making much money. It's a shame. That's a real shame. Yeah, real shame. But I, uh, yeah, I would imagine in this movie, like after the shakedown of Kim, that like business was really going to start picking up. And I was not wrong because we meet Rufio. Yes, Rufio shows up. Although he looks, you know, he doesn't have the red hair and it's sans feathers, but it is Rufio. He calls Speakman Terminator. Yeah, Dante Bosco Rufio. What? Dante Bosco. Is that the high school he went to? No, that's his name. That's a pretty great name. It is a good name. There's no way that's his birth name. Probably change it to that. Donnie Brasco, true story based off of the life of Dante Bosco. That seems very inaccurate. (laughs) I could have made that up. I could have not. You'll have to find out for yourself. How is Ernie Reyes Jr. not in this? Well, he's busy delivering pizzas. Busy being in Surf Ninjas. Being, Being a Surf Ninja with Rob Schneider. This was a... Literally, if you watched action movies in the 80s and 90s, you'll see some of these Asian actors just, and you'll just wonder where they're from. I remember, I recognize Shang Tsung. This, yeah, uh, Kerry Hiroyuki Tanaka. I could listen to you pronounce these names incorrectly all night. uh, No, Tagawa, not Tanaka, (laughs) Tagawa. He's, I mean, he's one of, he's sort of the reason you look at this movie and it's just one giant stereotype because he goes from like this to showdown in Little Tokyo. He's just an evil Asian guy like across the 90s. Yeah, that was pretty great. And then um, I think uh, James Hong or Lopan from Big Trouble, he's in it. He's supposed to be Korean. Crazy little basket case on wheels. He's a... He's also uh, what Kung Fu Panda's stork father. Yeah. James Hong, as uh, we'll discuss a little bit later, I mean, chances are you've seen him in something because he's in literally over 400 movies. Yeah, this is just... Or a... 400 movies or TV shows, but he's had a career that has uh, gone five to six decades now. He's the... Uh, is he Chinese? He's from Minnesota, <laughs> so... but his uh, parents are... Uh, of Chinese descent. I was way yeah. off. He's the Chinese Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. So he, I, I mean, last, uh, when I did, we did our episode on Roger Corman's Fantastic Four, I never thought I'd find someone with nearly as many IMDb credits that their name is Roger Corman. And he was a producer. And James Hong is damn close. This, uh, 
another great, it's not a montage, but when he goes into the croc pit, was that the name of the club after he beats everybody up in the dojo they tell him to go to? I mean, it sounds right, but... Croc pit? Was that a Wu-Tang Clan song? <laughs> gravel pit. <laughs> gravel pit. <laughs> so when he goes into the croc pit, the best part the is... the croc pot. <laughs> he's just... So it's like green hue, and it's like a, a 90s club. Everybody's fucking smoking, and the you when he starts walking in, there's just all these Asians mean-mugging him. He's like the only white guy in there. Oh, doesn't Rufio call him Round Eye at one point? I can't remember what he... He has a number of nicknames for him. And one of the guys in the dojo says, come on, white boys, find out what you got. Yeah, little did he know, like, Dude, you, you what can't he, be bringing that kind of shit to a guy wearing tight jeans. So Speakman's walking through this club called the Crock Pit, trying to find the guy that killed Kim. And uh, I thought people were like freebasing, but they're just lighting cigarettes really aggressively, and other people are lighting their cigarettes for him. It's real weird. So, a lot of heavy Asian smoking going on. I understood like having a nightclub and... The gangster stuff, and I, I get all that, but what were these guys really hoping to get from Kim's imports? How much money do you think Kim was bringing in on this place that they're like, hey, you owe us a protection fee? Oh, I think it's a volume play. Like, all the <laughs> there's a lot of businesses in that uh, Koreatown, just real all on top of each other, real compact. So, you know, it's not how much, it's how many. You get one person stiffing you, they're all going to start stiffing you. That's fair. Yeah, you got to make an example out this of it. Mo- this movie really was like a precursor for The Sopranos. I mean, it's like Goodfellas with... It's a, it's a little a little underproduced compared to Goodfellas, but it's pretty great. I mean, it was neither of them won Best Picture, so they How the, the fuck same. was the budget $10 million? <laughs> you mean to tell me Speakman didn't get like $10 million for this movie? They literally spent over... 150 grand on jeans because he wears jeans the entire movie but he also wears crisco the entire movie rude so you gotta you gotta change after that yeah i wonder if they had to like license the music too the three songs the two songs yeah they're fantastic though there's no way they were made for the movie they had to buy i've got the power three times to use it twice i would legitimately listen to that to work out too you know, that song is like it is like the undercurrent of the entire movie. Because he's got the power to not murder someone in cold blood. That's the whole principle. Because of Kempo, he's able to find James Hong's character and not kill him. But he murders the the his bodyguard. But, but, he, he, but he blatantly murders by Professor murders, Toro Tanaka. He immolates him. He lights him on fire. He throws a knife belt at a propane tank. We can't. That's that is one of the best like uh, action scenes though, where he throws the knife belt back at him, starts spraying gas on him, and then he somehow I don't know how throws a three link piece of chain to cause a spark to light him on fire. It was a little far fetched, but oh, I did it, like that pole vaulting came back. Yes, so, pole vaulting <laughs> makes a return. So that whole backstory matters because turns out. How to get into this drug lord's uh, dock. There's an incredibly tall fence. And Je- Jeff knows how to get over it. Where did he get the pole things. vault from when he was grown up? Uh, I think he just found like a pole. 
And it just served its purpose. I don't think that's how that works. I think pole vaults are pretty specific. It definitely works that way when you're as good as he was at pole vaulting. Do you really think it was just a piece of wood and he used it to pole vault? It was vault? just like a metal pole. <laughs> I don't think they bend appropriately. And by the way, he's like 45 feet in the air and just lands and it's no big deal. Flawless. Flawless. Yeah. He's a great pole vaulter. I think his dad should have taken that into consideration when he kicked him out for no reason. Yeah, was that one of the reasons that Ox was picking on him because he was a pole vaulter? He was picking on him because his brother was being a smart ass. He did give him the finger very aggressively. Yeah. The brother, as you'll discover in this movie... Adam. ...is just an awful character. The brother Adam. So he hasn't seen his brother Jeff in, I don't know, how long it's supposed to be, 10 years? 15 years. And they immediately get into like you know what's going on man you got to tell me and well they he pulls a gun on his brother <laughs> that was a great scene they reunite because kim dies and then yeah in the alley like when they're done chasing someone they're chasing rufio when they're chasing rufio he blames him for kim kim's death and i don't even remember what speakman said but his brother just pulls a fucking gun on him as a cop i don't think that's first move appropriate. first move he does is pull a gun on his brother well, he saw him kick that guy's face mask off, so he knows what's up. I mean, he knows what Speakman's bringing. Gotta and he wasn't it. even wearing jeans when he did that. He's much more limber in jeans. Dude, there was a scene where he walks out of the... So this was high school Speakman. Walked out of the Kempo Dojo in a Canadian tuxedo. It was all denim. Even the jacket. Speakman has a very fond admiration for denim. He is in jeans at the wake. It's like, this is your best friend in life. You couldn't have gotten a suit. <laughs> jeans at a wake is impressive. I've seen someone wear jeans to a wedding. I mean, then again, who knew he'd have a foot chase? He probably anticipated that. So if he wore a suit, the whole thing's blown. I wonder what Speakman's up to these days. Uh, he's just doing, like, Kempo things. I looked it up. He still does karate? Yeah, he, like, goes around the country giving uh, demos. He's demos, Chuck, yeah. the tr- Chuck the truck? Chuck the truck, yeah. Oh, my God. As Danny McBride, uh, so... Foot Fist Way was underrated. Excitingly told us, Kempo is the weakest of all martial arts <clears throat> in the Foot nonsense. Fist Way. To be fair, didn't Chad Pennington practice Kempo Karate in the offseason? So we know it's... Now we know it's the weakest martial art. It means I, you can't throw a punch with your dominant hand. He gets up. <laughs> what, uh... All right. What are we at now? Are we doing questions? I think we covered the plot poorly I do have I do have a couple of questions because... Well, wait, let's... Did we cover the plot? Sort of. So, you know, after, at the club, he meets James Hong's character, and I, I'm not going to bother remembering his name, and he convinces him that it's a different guy that is... That was actually a good twist. I like that. But the thing was, it's like, so Jeff just buys this wholesale... Sam. The guy's name was Sam, yeah. right? He buys this idea wholesale, breaks into another man's compound to murder him while he's in his bathtub. Uh-huh. And then that guy's like, no, it's not me, it's him. And he's like, okay. Well, thank cool. God Rufio was there to tell him, hey, Sam's actually a good dude. Like, what are you doing? Don't kill him. So maybe instead of Kempo, Jeff should have been, like, studying because he's sort of an idiot. I, I strong disagree. <laughs> He's the man. He literally believes anything. His you brother's tell him. the fucking detective. Like, who cares? Adam's an idiot too. Yeah, he, he might be a detective, but he's an idiot. So after they find out who actually kills Kim, um, Speakman murders the guy's bodyguard, 
James Hong's bodyguard via a knife belt. That's Shang Tsung, right? Oh, no, that... No, he just beats up Shang Tsung. He murders. Yeah, he beats. He just like chokes him in the car. He murders the chubby. I think he's Hawaiian. I don't think he's Asian. Well, is Hawaiian Asian. I think he's Japanese. The guy with the knife belt. Yeah, I think because I'm fairly sure he wrestled in Japan. So he, uh, well, Khalid El Amin played basketball in Iraq, and he's not Iraqi. No, but I was. I think he wrestled like for uh, Antonio Inoki. That's not helping. He's me. like the most famous Japanese wrestler. Sure. I'll take your word he for it. He once fought Muhammad Ali to a draw. I don't. Um... So after he kills James Hong's bodyguard, he beats up James Hong. James Hong stabs him in the back. Instead of stabbing him in the actual back, he stabs one of his batons that's in some sort of sort of holster on his back. And then um, everybody thinks he kills James Hong, but he doesn't. And his father finally expresses joy that he showed respect. Cue, I've got the power, as he dumps what seems to be a dead body in a sack at the feet of his father, only to for it to be revealed that he did not kill him. It's a terrible fucking movie. But you love it. Still love it. It's great. Though. I will say, it's not great, but the action scenes are good. He's really good at martial arts, and it's fun to watch most of the action scenes. It's not bad. It's uh, There are worse ways to kill it's, 90 minutes. It's everything in between. It's not so great. It's, again, like the beginning scenes of Bloodsport. Real bad acting, bad bad angles for showing the martial arts, and just it's a It's a better plot. movie than Bloodsport. What? Because at one point... He like just. It's a better movie than Bloodsport. The, the action scenes in Bloodsport don't hold up particularly well. Do you not remember the? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's definitely. It... What about when he serves tea blindfolded? The presence or uh, the premise of Bloodsport is better than the premise of this, which is literally. It is. It's just like, hey, you should do kempo. Perfect weapon is better than Bloodsport because if someone murders your friend that has an import shop. In Chinatown, you can avenge them. That's the whole premise of this movie. I agree with it wholeheartedly. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple of questions about the chase scene. Good. At, I one, have at one point, they arrest Professor Toru Tanaka, and of course, he smashes through the back of the cop car, mm-hmm. and then he escapes. He basically lifts the car up. Yeah. And I. I what's and your What's your question? He He gets tased. Uh huh. What did you think of the music that accompanied that tasing scene? He rips the taser tentacles off of him. You need to go back a step. How does a fucking limo outrun these cop cars? The guy can drive. The guy can drive. Even though in the first chase scene, he lets Jeff catch him on foot. What was the music when he's getting shocked? It's... We'd have to find it. We gotta find it because it's it's something else. We'll bring it in at the end of the episode. Is it is it uplifting? It is. It has to be heard to be believed. Just hum it, hum it. How'd it go? <laughs> I should have rewatched this last night, and I did, and now I regret it. Yeah, yeah. That chase scene was fantastic. Another question. Mm-hmm. So we had three Adams, three Jeffs. Yep. And yet the father didn't age a day throughout the entire movie. What the hell's going on with that guy? That's a really good point. Did they, I don't even think they made him more, like more gray by the end. He did. He's just perpetually fifty-two. No, nope, same guy. <laughs> Nothing they changed. Have, they have him as like uh, elementary school kids, high school kids, and then forty-five-year-old men. Yep. And yeah, you're right. The dad looks the same. Nothing changed. They didn't even like give him a fake gut. 
And you would think with all the worrying he was doing over his son potentially murdering people, you know, maybe he gets a few gray hairs. I don't know. Just good genetics, I guess. And he's still a cop. He's not like retired. No, I, that's, it's, a, it's a good point. There's no change to this man's I life. don't like you picking holes in this movie because <laughs> I thought it was pretty good, but that that's fair. That's fair. All right, so 80s and 90s action movies are known for their one-liners. Are they? Can you recall even one from this movie? I can recall zero lines from the female lead, if that helps. Yes, Marissa Hargitay. Mariska Hargitay. Mariska Hargitay from, from Law & Order SVU. <laughs> SVU. Is in this movie. I don't think there's any like catchphrases or anything. I've I've got one. I commend this movie. They do use the title in it. They do call him the perfect they, weapon. The the guy he's supposed to kill for Sam says, "So they sent you to kill me, the perfect weapon." Here's the th- yeah the chubby guy that was actually good. Uh, no, I think I I want to commend this movie. It's very re- respectable that it didn't follow the other tropes of 90s action movies. No one-liners, just pure action, baby. This is the one I have. When he breaks into Sam's compound at the end, he uh, sneaks up on a couple of guys, he pulls out his wooden sticks, and he goes, it's break time, guys, implying he's going to break their bones. All right, maybe it Nailed it. Maybe it that's it's pretty solid. And he just lays these fools to waste. See, I don't blame Speakman. That's just bad writing. Well, I think he co-wrote this. That's all right. <laughs> You're really just crushing my childhood here. All right, so that that about covers the movie. Actually, we both enjoyed it. It's not a great movie, but the I love the action scenes. He unabashedly loves it in general. This is fantastic. So coming up, we're going to go over some of oh, the... Oh, hey, wait. You yes. know what we didn't talk about? What's What's that? The sound effects. So when he punches people, like, rapidly, it's some of the most intense sound effects ever. That's how fast he's going. It's like it's like someone, it's like Michael Flatley's tap dancing on, like, a leather sofa. It's amazing how much we've intertwined Michael Flatley into the show in the last two weeks. Uh, did I talk about Flatley last time? No. When, I, when, we, <laughs> when we covered Fantastic Four, there's a character in that movie that literally, like, river dances his way through a series of security... Uh, lasers. I, that's I don't know. I don't have like another tap dancing go to. Oh, uh, Gregory Hines. It's like Gregory Hines tap dancing on a leather sofa. Has that? That's fine. I'd, I'd take Hines, but yeah. I'd prefer the Flatley comp. I didn't know someone made a Flatley reference in the. We talked a lot about Flatley. That's upsetting. Which right. is weird do, because like he was such a flash in the pan. Do, what, bullshit! You know how many infomercials I saw as a kid with. Michael Flatley DVDs? That, this is something we discussed. Like, at what point did like we get a little oversaturated with the fucking Lord of the Dance shit? I was passing out watching Married with Children as a child on my couch, and there would be a Michael Flatley ad on TV. Because it wasn't just Lord of the Dance. It started off as River Dance. And then he got so like into himself, he became the Lord of the Dance. Why do you know so much about Michael Flatley? Because the exact same reason. I'd be watching something, and here comes this friggin' commercial. And this was the days where infomercials were, like, constant. Do you think if Michael Flatley was on, like, America's Got Talent today, he'd just get voted off? Michael Flatley would rule that show's ass, like Jimmy the King. And if he did get voted off, he would just Irish tap kick somebody's head off. Irish tap kick. All right, do a segue into our next segment. All right, so our next segment, uh, we're not scholars, but we were able to research using the Google machine. 
So we're going to go into that, but before we do, we got a word from our sponsor, Thanks, John Bob. Grizzly's Ingestible Motor Oil. So, today's episode is brought to you by John Grizzly's Ingestible Motor Oil. Do you find yourself needing a boost? Something to get you over the top? Try John Grizzly's. Drinking it didn't kill him, so it probably won't kill you. John Grizzly is not responsible for any illness or death that may result from drinking his oil. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. This is our second segment. Before we go into some of the stuff we learned by uh, surfing the internet, I did want to discuss what beers we're drinking this evening. Uh, we got some Sing Tao's, which is a Chinese beer. I looked for Height, which is Korean beer, and I couldn't find it, but... Since this movie centers around mostly actors who aren't actually Korean, I chose the uh, Chinese beer because James Hong, the principal bad, is of Chinese descent. So in honor of them casting mostly Chinese actors, predominantly Chinese-American actors or Koreans, we are drinking Chinese beer? Indeed. All right, got it. There you go. Hi. So let's start with the big one. The biggest thing I learned while I was researching this movie was that Jeff Speakman, as we mentioned, had signed a multi-picture deal at Paramount. One of the two, one of two of the planned movies, or three that were coming up, was supposed to be a sequel to this movie, and another script was later optioned by Paramount about a cop fighting a terrorist. After the Paramount deal with Speakman fell through, as the reviewer seems to know, it was because of Street Night. Uh, that script went on to Fox and became the 1994 blockbuster Speed. Is Speed better with Jeff Speakman? I'm trying to process this. So one of the movies he was supposed to do was Speed, but because his first two movies didn't do well, they gave that to Keanu? So I think they realized that his deal was a law of diminishing returns. So they optioned that to Fox. So they probably sold it to him for however much, and then he was taken off the project because it was no longer under his Paramount deal and uh, became Speed. So they probably rewrote it. So everything else constant. So Sam, the bus driver, still the same actor. Um, Sandra Bullock, Bullock, Sandy, Dennis Hopper. I would have doubted they casted any of it yet. It was probably just a hey, here's a here's a script that we're high on, but because Keanu was pretty big, I mean, I mean that was one of his bigger movies at the time, but Keanu was a star, but that was that really he became a superstar. Man, that movie would have been great with Speakman. You insert a little bit of Kimpo into that movie. I mean, he doesn't shoot the hostage. He like he just kicks Jeff Daniels in the teeth. Or maybe breaks his leg. If you have 35% less Chase and 35% more Kempo, that's the best action movie of all time. Yeah, I think it's a lot better with Speakman. No, I don't even think, think it's a debate. It. Yeah, you're good. Karate kick the hostage. Or if he's just doing Kempo like to people on the bus, just taking people out. You got a real wildcat Unruly on the bus. Unruly passengers, if you will. Yeah, no. Fully on board with Speakman being in speed. And then I guess you could give Alan Ruck's character to Keanu Reeves. He was, you know, he's Cameron from 
Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and he's the just, nerdy guy on the bus. Yeah, you know, you sw- <laughs> you swap that over to Keanu. That's fucked up. <laughs> Hey, yeah. no disrespect to Keanu. He's John Wick. John Wick's the greatest action star there is. It, Speakman it's, it's could nasty. at least be like one of the other guys on the SWAT team, like watching the elevator, unloading people. There's a <laughs> there's a role for Speakman in Speed, but man, that that's uh that's terrifying to know that he missed out on that. There was script. definitely a role for him in that movie, because the other SWAT guys just wind up getting blown up anyways. So. Yeah. Wait, you know, wait, 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 wait. Okay. Call back to the last episode. Is Tweeter's, or is Paul Walker's dad from Varsity Blues one of the SWAT guys? In Speed? Yeah. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he's either one of the cops or one of the SWAT members. I'll have to look that up later. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Because I he's really almost incapable of not playing a total ass clown. Eh, could have been an ass clown. We just didn't know. Like he's you know, he he still eats his cereal and all his SWAT gear, and points guns at people that enter the house that live there. Same kind of deal. Yeah. All right. So that's uh that's mind blowing to me that Jeff Speakman could have been in Speed. That's like sort of the crazy twists and turns of Hollywood, you know. Like this guy never became a star, but they thought he might because I think he was late to the party because by this point, the whole hey insert actor a as new action star was sort of dying it is weird that like because steven seagal doesn't exactly have like a bunch of charisma and acting chops or anything why is he so much bigger than speakman like speakman's legit i think the thing was he got a better property right off the bat yeah because i i hate steven seagal steven seagal's awful he's one of our worst action stars and he's literally most notable for getting choked out by Judo Jean LaBelle and shitting his pants on the set of one of his movies. He also seems very unlikable. No, he's like not a good guy at all, yeah. Yeah, so uh, knowing that Speakman could have blown up with if he just got to that third movie and it was speed, kind of heartbreaking. Like if he never does Street Night, which even from just the trailer, you know Street Night's not good. Now i got to watch this fucking movie. you got to, and it's free on YouTube. By the way, this is also free on YouTube, but if you want to throw Jeff Speakman a bone, you can rent it. There's no way he has any royalties off this or anything, is there? I owned it on VHS. Would you want Jeff Speakman to show up at your door knowing that you illegally streamed his treasured perfect weapon? What martial art is he currently practicing? If it's karate, then I think I'm fine. I don't know, man. Speakman gets shit hectic at all times. Have you Googled a picture of him recently? Does he look good? He's a little heavier. No, oh, yeah, that happens. Yeah, but he looks better than Seagal. Does he have like a full beard and earrings? Or no, anything? he looks basically the same, just older and heavier. Is he wearing a black gi now to hide his shape? No, white gi. What, the picture I saw was a white gi. All right, still got to go. Did not on. hide the shape. All right, what uh, what other facts did the internet have for us about Speakman or this? Uh, so fantastic this movie, movie wasn't as rich as a lot of the movies or any of the movies we've covered so far on the show. What do you uh, mean rich? The budget? No, there's just not as much behind the scenes, like really interesting stuff. Because the movie was made, it came out as whatever. Yeah. You know, like Moreau, it was all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, Raider Rumble, 
as we know, as we went into all kinds of weird shit. <laughs> so not a lot of good, uh, yeah, interesting Yeah, not facts. that much behind-the-scenes stuff. But So I looked up things about Jeff Speakman. I looked up things about other people in the movie, like the you know the director, et cetera, and so on. So Jeff Speakman once dated Ursula Andress, Honey Rider from Dr. No. It's pretty interesting. Whoa. Yeah. Good for Speakman. She was significantly older than him. Well, 22 good for her. years. Yeah. His, what, his 22 elder. years older than him? 22 years older than Speakman. How old was he when he dated her? Uh, she was probably in her fifties. He was in his thirties. So, <laughs> so he was going for the cougars. Good for so Speakman, man. That begs the question: Was it a cougar on the one side of the ring, not a tiger? Nice, a dragon and a cougar. Yeah, dragon yeah. and a cougar. And, and if it is a cougar, then what specifically would the master have recommended about the cougar side of the ring? He probably still would have done the same thing, where he showed him the the cougar, yeah. or showed him the dragon, which was a. Yeah. A fake punch and a real punch coming at you, and then he would have showed him the cougar. He probably just would have like you know, massaged the grapes. Where showed him the cougar where he gets a rich woman to pay for his flight to Vegas and buy a hotel room. Uh, he showed him the man. That's a. I did yeah. not know Speakman dated someone twenty two years Landis. older than him. Good Honey for Rider. him, man. Yep. So I, I found that. Wait, did they get married? They did not get married. No. Gotcha. Yeah, you, it's hard to tie Speakman down, dude. You know that. You saw how much Crisco that Again, guy wears. Br- bringing it back to the actual movie, I still can't believe that the female lead, not a, no, that's not the right word, the only female in the movie didn't have any lines but grew up to be Mariska Hargitay. You know, I mean, she wasn't famous at the time, but looking back on it now, like watching it from this lens, it's a really funny to see someone who's on TV literally every day. Oh, she's famous as shit. Everybody on maybe like her. seven to eight different channels because SVU is picked up. It's probably in the rotation on more networks than almost any other show. They're, but they're, she's not even like his love interest in the movie. Like when they're, she punches him in the stomach when they're kids. Yep. She's just a girl from class. They like, she, she like gives him some eyes. There's like a furtive glance at one point, but... Uh, all of a sudden, he goes into the dojo at the end, and Master Lowe's in there, and she's in there, and like full gee. Maybe she was dating Master Lowe. That's pretty creepy. That'd be creepy. I but mean, yeah. she has less lines than Ox from Saved by the Bell. Yeah, that's the best fact that you could have given us was that Ox was that football player. Because you can't tell. I was so excited. I'm I was pretty so excited you, when I found that out. One at the next break, look one look up to see if that SWAT member is uh, Paul Walker's dad from Varsity Blues, and then two, I think I, I got to know if Ox was in Can't Buy Me Love. So if if Paul Walker's dad from Varsity Blues is part of the SWAT, that's the reason they die. <laughs> Jesus, he that guy has so much bad karma. I guess that that movie came out before Varsity Blues and Speed. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, Ready to Rumble, but somebody must have known. Somebody in the universe that balances the universe must have known he would play. You two feel awful like chicken kids. tonight? Yeah. <laughs> it's his fault. Up and down. He distracted Daniels. Daniels never would have walked into a trap. He told some off-color joke. Totally distracted him. That's probably what happened. Yeah. One of the screw that guy, man. All-time underrated gross scenes in a movie is in Varsity Blues when they're showing him talking trash to Mox in the backyard barbecue, and he says, "You feel like chicken," and he spits in slow motion out of his mouth. It's disgusting. Every dad in that movie is awful. Not only is his, is Lance oh. Harbor's dad awful, but 
Moxon's dad is maybe worse. Correct. I guess I've heard that about Texas, though. Texas has no good fathers. Wow, really going after <laughs> Texas today. Uh, uh, the irate lover does not agree with that statement. I'm just I'm just kidding, Texas. I'm sure you've got some. Yeah, I think our 36 listeners, there's zero, zero percent chance any of our 36 listeners are from Texas. Maybe we should make a plea to Texas. It's a big state. A plea to what? Have them watch more Kempo movies and, and then listen to our podcast? Watch more Kempo movies and listen to the podcast. That's fair. Hand in hand. Like, we'll cover the best little whorehouse in Texas. That's not really a bomb. It was a very popular movie, but... Uh, I mean, we got to play to the base. What's the most Texas movie we could do? The not, most Texas movie? Not best little whorehouse. Oh, what about the... Is that old football movie from the 70s? North Dallas 40? We could do North Dallas 40. Great movie. Nolte? Was Great that? book, too. Yeah, we could do that. All right, so Speakman, as we said, unfortunately, career never takes off. Here was my favorite pull from his IMDb. He was in the Hot Boys movie with Silk the Shocker and Master P. and everyone The Hot else. Boys music video? In the movie. They made a movie? As the character Master Keaton. That's not, none of this is true. This is it? true. He's did Master you, Keaton in the Hot Boys movie. Do you, you see a clip of it? Yes. I wouldn't believe it unless I saw it. And I'll post a clip. Does he beat up Mystical? Uh... <laughs> Does he beat up Fiend on a tank? Was that the guy's name? Fiend? So, I mean, that's a great credit. Master Keaton, Hot Boys. Also, it's pretty clear that, I mean, none of them know actual martial arts. So what was the purpose of them having a sensei in the Hot Boys movie? I don't know. I haven't seen the movie. You're going to have to watch it now. Yeah, you got to get on this. It was probably very integral to the plot, is my guess. I'm sure it was. I'd like to see how long that I'm script sure was. was. Do you think there was a script for that I'm movie? S- I'm sort of shocked he didn't get like... You're sort of Silk the Shocked? He didn't... Yeah, I'm, I'm Silk the Shocked. He didn't parlay that role into like, you know, parts in I Got the Hook Up and Foolish and... Oh, how many... Uncle P, maybe. Uncle P is a great, fantastic film. I miss No Limit. The director of this movie, Mick DeSalle... Nick DeSalle? Mick DeSalle. That can't be right. He also appears as the football coach, which I found interesting that the there coach. was even a football coach because there was only seven players. What is it with directors making cameos in movies? I don't get it. It didn't. didn't uh... It happens a lot. Oh, what's his name? Stephen King does it. Didn't he only direct like one or two movies? Doesn't Hitchcock do a bunch of cameos too? I'm not yeah. going to pretend to know. But I'm it, not so sure about Hitchcock, but... It seems uh, like a lot of directors have... Uh, like, I know Zack Snyder is always in, but he's uncredited. Like, this guy's literally credited on the IMDb. So, what the... Oh, has this guy directed anything else besides just this? Yeah, Kickboxer. <laughs> is also, that... <laughs> yeah, Kickboxer. It's not surprising at all. Uh, Kickboxer. What has a better dancing, fighting scene... Oh, this or kickboxer because Dude, this, when he's, he's in the drunk club. and kickboxer, I mean, that's an iconic scene. Yeah, you can't top the kickboxer. Black wife beater, drunk, drunk doing the splits, scene, doing the splits, doing shots, beating people up. He redid that scene on. I think it was, was it Fallon? I don't. He, I don't Fallon know had Van Damme on, and he redid the drunken dance. I need to watch this. I think it's Fallon, but again, I'll post it if I find it. Like, why wasn't Speakman as big as Van Damme? That's the thing. Van Damme had the whole muscles from Brussels thing. Uh, he, uh, I don't know, because he, he wasn't a particularly good actor, and the accent was always an Speakman's issue. Speakman's more rugged. You mean to tell me 
If Speakman's, Speakman's more rugged. Speakman's, Why? Because he wears jeans? Yeah, and flannel. You mean to tell me... And he has that beard that looks like... It's like per, it's a perfect like two-day beard. He has the penciled on Hulk Hogan. Beard. It looks like if you touched it, it would still feel like skin, not beard. Like if you touched it, it would come off. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a smudge. But he... Uh, if he's in Lionheart, you mean to tell me he, he didn't have the chops to play like a disgraced... A French Foreign Legion guy that why couldn't fights. He, why couldn't he play the guy he fights in the pool, who mm-hmm. is also the Capoeira master? Well, that's a from kind only of a, the strong. That's kind of a small role for. But speaking. at least have him be one of the guys. How about who a fights. Death Warrant? He would have been great in Death Warrant. So I mean, like Van Damme fights how many people in Lionheart? Conservatively seven. Yeah, he could have been one of the guys he fights instead of just a random uncredited security guard at the end. Yeah, I mean, he fights the the Scotsman in the garage. How come uh he could have been the Scotsman? How come the bad guy from Cobra that's in that movie doesn't ever fight? That guy uh if you knew his he's name. He's in a lot of movies where he's just in the background. I think it's cuz he has that face that's terrifying. He's also uh Shao Kahn from the second Mortal Kombat, which oh, we're going to cover God. on this show to celebrate the release of Mortal Kombat 11. So you're going to have to like Stay tuned. tape my eyelids open and force me to watch that. There's so much bonkers shit that happens in that movie. What uh what uh what other facts you got? What what segment? What's so, it? Mick DeSalle, he produced Bloodsport. I thought he directed it. Uh both? He directed Kickboxer, wrote it too. So he put money up for Bloodsport. Yeah, produced Bloodsport, okay. produced Kickboxer. All right. And he produced Death Warrant. So he's worth what, like a hundred billion dollars? By nineteen ninety three, which is the year him and Speakman did Street Night together, he's out of movies until twenty fourteen. So he was out of movies for twenty years. I don't know what he was doing. Cocaine. So in twenty fourteen he comes back. In twenty sixteen he produces what movie do you think in your wildest dreams he would have produced in twenty sixteen? Based 2016 on twenty sixteen or twenty fourteen? Yeah, in twenty sixteen. I'm bad with years. Uh, let's see, the action movie. Because naturally, it's going to be like a martial arts movie, Two or right? three years ago. What about like The Raid? No, he produced Mother's Day. The fuck is that? It's like one of those compilation movies with a lot of famous people that's just an awful movie. Like they she's did, just not that into you? They did Valentine's Day <laughs> and New Year. Did they ever do, an, did a Tyler Perry ever do like an MLK Day? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Wait, legit question. Mother's Day, not an action movie. No. No, it's not at all. <laughs> not at all. Now I kind of want to see an action movie called Mother's Day. Could you pull off writing that script? I think I could. All right. There you go. There's I your mean, challenge. It sells itself. You know, you're a mother. Your kids get kidnapped. High-speed pursuit. Next thing you know, the mom just kicks ass for the next hour and 15 minutes conservatively. Mother's Day was Love actually like one of was Love actually the first one of those compilation romantic movies like that. Well, you well no, there's other British movies like Four Weddings and a Funeral. Oh, okay. But like you know, a lot of times when they have those <clears throat> super stacked casts, the movies wind up being just terrible. Yeah, well, not unlike The Perfect Weapon, Mariska Hargitay, Jeff Speakman, uh, James Hong, a bunch of other Asian actors. It's a legit cast. For sure. So fun actors to appear in the movie. Mako, as we said. Still don't think you're pronouncing that right. He's Kim, the guy who trains Jonathan Brandis in sidekicks, amongst many other things. 
Marissa Hargitay we mentioned. Why are you not pronouncing the K? Why do you keep saying Marissa Hargitay? Mariska. Mariska Hargitay. So James Hong as... What'd you call him? Sam? No. James Hong was... uh, Sam was the fat guy. Oh, okay. James Hong is young. Uh, he's he is he's young, like what, 23, 24? <laughs> in this movie, he's relatively young. I believe his name is young. Uh, he has 429 acting credits to his name on IMDb. Yeah, but how many of those are like video game voices? 429. Actually, it could, well, I'd have to really go through it. With a oh, shit, he was in that terrible ping pong movie, wasn't he? Balls of Fury. Balls of Fury, Yes, yeah. Lucky Cricket. Oh, my God. Uh, mo- most popularly... Popularly as Lopan and, um, well, Kung Fu Panda's dad. Yeah, so, yeah. the two the we stork. mentioned. There you go. Here's the, this can't possibly be true. And I would love for somebody to find this out. I assume it's just another man named James Hong. But he's listed as a game tester on Twisted Metal 4 on his IMDb. Holy shit. It can't, it can't be the same guy. 100%. There's just zero chance it's the same guy. I'm doing the low pan uh, finger move right now from Big Trouble in Little China. Indeed, you know he's you know he's got. <laughs> oh yeah, that's it. Maybe thumbs he's of got fury. Some games. He's got it, man. All right, so that uh, pretty much concludes Twisted the Metal. Yeah, what was, Twisted Metal Four. What was the ice cream truck's name? Sweet Tooth. Dude, was it the first or the second one where you put in the code for the uh, Hummer? You put in a code and you could be the not the Hummer but like the tank. Oh, what was its name? The Hummer's the Bob Craft car, right? What? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very time, timely sex trafficking job. Eat it, Patriots. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Suck it, Patriots. Your you owner's an that. old pervert. Scumbag. <laughs> Cheaters. Uh, I, I think it was two. Two had the better codes. Two was one of the great Twisted Metal games. Man. All right. What? Uh, go ahead with the uh, All right, so... Uh, well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, it's the all-time scale. Now, I've refined this segment uh, quite a bit, as we, as you noticed in the last episode about Corman's Fantastic Four. We just have a scale one to five. I'm not going to do a whole bunch of examples for ones and fives. You did the Fantastic Four, and your scale was one to five, not one to four? Well, it was a, a scale of Doctor Doom plots. Okay. Like how bad, you know, the worst plots. I'm glad I missed that episode. It was an interesting episode. Uh, so I've refined it. I just have one example per, per number. Okay. Now, if you've got other examples you'd like to send to us on our Twitter, remember at hops and bo flops, I'd love to interact, love to discuss some bad, you know, or great or great action films, action roles. So when we come back, we'll do the scale. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops. We have the all-time scale, and this scale is the you messed with the wrong guy who just so happens to be an expert in martial arts. So in this case, we're looking at Jeff, our heroic protagonist. How does he stack up against the five people I'm about to list? So number one would be the low end. Number five would be the high end. Where would he rank? Number one, are you ready? Yep. Steven Seagal as Forrest Taft in On Deadly Ground. That's an underrated character name. It's a good name. (laughs) He's a mystic martial artist slash environmental agent who takes on a ruthless oil corporation 
I saw that movie in theaters. <laughs> you shouldn't admit that. <laughs> okay, so that's a one. That's a one. So you show up and you want to like take oil out of this land and some environmentalist shows up and he knows Kung Fu. Yeah, like he's in the middle of the wilderness. Why not just have someone like go 100 yards away and just shoot him? Okay. Okay. All right. What's five? Well, do you want to go all the way to the top? Give me, give me. I think we got to build to a crescendo here. Okay. Build to your crescendo. Number two, Mark Dacascos as Louis Stevens in Only the Strong. Ex Special Forces soldier returns to Miami to find his former high school overrun by drugs and violence. By the way, this movie's all about capoeira. Not, not surprised that you run into a little bit of martial arts in that environment. Less surprised than on, yeah, on the environmentalist, ground, the sure. guy who's like checking, you know. Yeah, you know, there's probably some uh, street gangs that have people that know martial arts. I've seen a few movies. Yeah, they just happen to have the two capoeira masters in the same zip code. Still, <coughs> I, my frame of reference for Perfect Weapon is from Ox's point of view. If I pick on someone for pole vaulting and they just happen to be like a 10th degree black belt. That's pretty surprising. <laughs> I mean, Ox could not have possibly known that the pole vaulter get off the field nerd. The high school pole vaulter lights you up. could also just destroy him. Okay. All right. We're, what's three. Number three, Wesley Snipes is John Cutter in passenger 57. Okay. Well, he's an air marshal. An airline security expert must take action when he finds himself trapped on a passenger jet. When terrorists seize control. Not, okay, not not that surprise at all. He's but it's, an air like, marshal. it's sort of like a, you know, a masterful plot. You know, like, I get he's an air marshal, but did they really think he was just going to bring the heat with the martial arts? Not that surprised that a, a, a U.S., an air marshal would actually know. Yeah, well, that's why he's number three. You know, Understood. He, it's a decent thing. Understood. Yeah, no. Okay. All right, number four. This is a movie very close to my heart because it features my beloved Pittsburgh Penguins. And oh, sudden death. We're definitely going to do this movie when playoff season comes around because... Okay, this is... You need to switch three and four because this is more surprising than an air marshal. This is really surprising. Van Damme is Darren McCord in Sudden Death. A fireman yeah. takes on a group of terrorists holding the vice president and others hostage during Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Environmentalists should not know Aikido. What was two? What was the second one? That's Lewis. Well, he was an ex-special forces guy, but like you show up to the school, you don't think like the new English teacher is going to just like start spin kicking people. Okay, so then we'll say three, three. So you want John Cutter up to four? Yeah. Okay. So passenger fifty-seven is. Yeah. So we'll we'll make three sudden death because it's really shocking that a firefighter knows that much. Like he's he's Taekwondo. a really big badass. He also like knows how to make weapons. You would not expect you would expect a fire a firefighter to be trained in certain things. Taekwondo, not one of them. But on the other hand, uh, an air marshal you probably expect them to be trained. So yeah, I think least surprising because five is the least surprising, right? That's fair. Yeah, five yeah. is definitely the least surprising. But certainly when it when they encounter it, they might be a little surprised because <laughs> five is Tymac as Bruce Leroy in oh. the Last Dragon. So you just show up at some guy's pizza parlor. Yeah, and his like son you show up to Daddy Green's off. pizza. You expect someone named Bruce Leroy to break you off with the name Bruce Leroy. You think 
this guy might know some stuff. You go to see a film, uh, a, a Bruce Lee film, and there's... And you start trouble. A like, gentleman eating popcorn, wearing one of those hats that they wore in, in the rice paddies. Yep. And, um, yeah, you expect that guy to know you, Kung Fu. I mean, he wasn't the only guy in the theater that knew show, how to throw down. Show enough. Show enough, who is... Uh, we're not doing... I. We're not doing Last Dragon. No, Last Dragon is movie. one of the greatest movies. Barry ever made. Gordy's Last uh, Dragon. Show enough is uh, Angela, Sean's girlfriend from uh, Boy Meets World. That's her dad. Show enough. No. Yes. Good lord. Yeah. So where you know where do you rank Speakman on this? Because this I, is the the why the hell does this guy know martial arts yeah scale? like oh we just showed up to shake down this guy at his import shop and all of a sudden this guy's throwing people through and yeah windows. Ra- round eye over here working us over just bringing the heat and he's using like there's a part in this initial scene where he saves kim's shop where the guy like breaks the weapon he has and he's like oh you, you fucked up I now think, i've got two sticks so i think it's because there's two points of view so there's high school speakman and grown-up speakman I am going to put high school Speakman as the guy wearing pole vaulting gear, getting picked on, being a black belt. That's more surprising than a firefighter, but less surprising than a marshal. So like a three and a half. I think that's fair. But then grown-up Speakman, you know what? If I'm picking on a Korean business owners, I'm probably going to expect that someone knows martial arts at some point so maybe 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 grown up speakman not that surprising give him like a four and a half i think like one of the anomalies in every single one of these action martial arts action movies throughout the years is that everybody in the film for the most part knows martial arts like he never just runs into some guy that doesn't know it i'm pretty sure ludicrous does Martial arts performs martial arts in the Fast and the Furious movies. Yeah, so. it's like really like everybody is an expert at hand to hand combat. You in this bet. movie, he actually does run into a couple of Jamokes who try and rob him, and he does some spinning. Back oh, fists. that scene's great! Yeah. How come only one of the four has a knife? It seems like if you're gonna rob somebody, and he's wearing jeans like that, and you know he means business. One, they did it in the only place on that street that actually had a light. The only place on this studio lot with a light, they decided to rob him. I was really expecting him to have some sort of like knife in his wallet or like a credit card with a knife blade. You see a lot of those? Glimmer Man. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Glimmer Man was a piece of this list, but then I was like, well, he's a cop technically. Is he? Glimmer Man's <laughs> a great film. You could literally make this list, like Steven Seagal, just most of the, even in real life, he shouldn't know martial arts. Like he has... Just no point. There's a there's debate to be made of whether he actually does or not. Have you seen the YouTube videos of him just flipping people by their wrists? So Steven Seagal is now a Russian national. That's upsetting. And he does a lot of demonstrations for uh, Russian uh, leader Vladimir Putin. <laughs> so if you watch these, he's grossly overweight. And it's people literally just diving, like, not exactly at him, but in such a way that he they can then manipulate their body to act to, to make it seem like Seagal is throwing them. The most outrageous thing I've ever seen. There was a UFC, and Seagal was in uh, Anderson Silver. Anderson Silva, 
This was, he was when he fought uh, Vitor Belfort, I think. Oh, no. He was in either, I think it might have been Machida, when Machida front kicked Kator and knocked his tooth out. It was one of the front kick knockouts. Yeah, but like just finding out that Steven Seagal is one of the one of the people that taught Anderson Silva or Leota Machida to front kick in certain situations boggled my mind. I can assure you he didn't teach them that. It wasn't a full demonstration. Because if he taught them that, it would have been followed up by uh, them pulling up limp. Or lame, like oh, I stretched too far, and then breathing really heavily. That was a great Steven Seagal impression. Yeah, or they would have <laughs> shit their pants. Because as you never forget that Steven Seagal talked trash to Judo Gene LaBelle. He said he you could never choke me out, and not only did he choke him out, but he did it in such a fashion that Steven Seagal shit himself. I respect Seagal for that. I mean, if you're gonna go so hard that you refuse to tap even while you're. Moving your bowels. That's that's commitment. Something wrong with you. You know, that is commitment. I'm in on that. Another good Steven Seagal story. was the last Seagal time you story? shit your pants getting choked out? Probably never. Coward. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> Another good Steven Seagal story. Uh, I guess Stallone used to have, like, parties that were just eight action stars, which had to be, like, the greatest parties ever. What? Yeah. How's there not, like, a 30 for 30 about these? Yeah, so... Seagal and Van Damme get into it at this party, and he's like, all right, let's, Van Damme's like, let's fight. And Seagal's like, sure, let's fight. All right, let's go outside. And as soon as the door opened, I guess Seagal just takes off running. Takes off running, in which case no one would have been intimidated. If you really want to see something hilarious, watch Steven Seagal run in his movies. he's not a runner. He's not a Tom Cruise. It's so funny. It's like he doesn't know how to bend his elbows. It's like he's never done anything athletic in in his entire life. And thus, if he was the environmentalist tasked with stopping the evil oil corporation, you'd probably get the oil. He is hard to kill. <laughs> just out for justice sometimes. Sometimes he's just, you know, he's out for justice. What, uh, <clears throat> all right, what's the, uh. Sometimes his career is half past dead. What's the, <laughs> well, I could do this all night. What's the, uh, sometimes. next, what's the next segment? Uh, the next segment is Six Degrees. Oh, which that's you were right. supposed to bring one for me, so I got you, you some bitch. Yeah, so we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, it's Six Degrees of Movie Separation, which we had to cut from the last episode because my uh, guest co-host Captain Cash could not put a sentence together. He was fumbling over everything, trying desperately to connect the two. Did I he said, get real drunk? He got a little drunk. <laughs> Good Lord. He took hops very literally. Good for him. Yeah. Very strong play. We'll be back. And we're back with our final segment, Six Degrees of Movie Separation. As you recall, I'm going to get two actors. I have to connect them via movies they share with common people in six degrees or less so who do you got for me all right i'm gonna just do callbacks from this episode so since you brought up all the credits for james hong we'll start with him i need you to get from james hong to going off the speed revelation dennis hopper so james hong dennis hopper you got it all right so we will go James Hong had over 400 credits. Yes. 
426 credits. I, I feel like you can get to Keanu Reeves pretty quickly. I think so. I think so. You could use the Matrix. We uh, That was actually the route I took for the last one. Oh. The one I had to cut out. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fishburne's uh, in a yeah. ton of stuff. So James Hong to Keanu Reeves. I will go James Hong to... What movie are you going to start with, Hong? I'm going to start with Big Trouble, and I'll go to Kurt Russell. Oh, nice. So you go Kurt Russell to... Wait, I'm going to Keanu Reeves. Dennis right? Hopper. If you get to Reeves, you're at Hopper. Well, the crazy thing is I could just do James Hong to... Uh, what the heck's his name? Uh, John Leguizamo? No. <laughs> Ian McShane in Kung Fu Panda, because Ian McShane's the bad guy. All right, I'll make the rule. No voice acting. Okay, because then Ian McShane would go to Keanu Reeves and John Wick. Okay, no voice acting. All right, so James Hong to Kurt Russell in Big Trouble. Kurt Russell to... Goldie Hawn. I'm going to Keanu. <laughs> you I'm could Keanu. Bone Tomahawk. Oh, you could use one of the more recent Fast and Furious movies. Yes, because he's in he's in all of those. But so okay, I got it. So James Hong to Kurt Russell in Big Trouble. Kurt Russell to Sylvester Stallone in Tango and Cash. Tango and Cash. Uh, Are you doing the use the Expendables? No. Okay. Uh, so in Tango and Cash, you connect to. Oh uh, no! You go Stallone to Diane Lane in. Oh, Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd. Okay. All right, that's three. And wasn't Diane Lane a movie with Keanu Reeves, or am I imagining things? I don't think I can. Or am I thinking about Sandra Bullock? <laughs> So now you got to use Diane Lane. So now I got to use Diane Lane. Um, you have to use what, what someone fo- from Judge Dredd. What a foolish route. Armand DeSante. Armand DeSante. Uh, all right, I'll go back. Let me, let Rob me Schneider. Go. So Kurt Russell, two. Kurt Russell, two. Executive decision, Seagal. Yeah. <laughs> use it. Kurt Russell to Steven Seagal in executive decision. Steven Seagal, two. Seagal and Keanu Reeves both. Steven Seagal to Jet Li in, wait, no. Steven Seagal to DMX in Exit Wounds. DMX to Jet Li in Cradle of the Grave. And then it would be Jet Li to Bob Hoskins. In, that's six right yeah, there. So that's six right there in the dog movie. R.I.P. Bob Hoskins. Danny the dog. And oh, go, underrated movie. So you go to Hoskins to Lake Wazama to Keanu Reeves. That's like so that's nine degrees of separation. Yeah, that's that's too many degrees. So we'll go. Uh, we'll Kurt, start. Let's start over. Kurt Russell too. So you sure you're going Hong to Russell? Yeah, Hong to Russell. To the Rock in whatever Fast and the Furious movie. We'll say Fast Seven. Yeah. To. Dude, get get to him through the Super Mario Brothers movie. Get Hoskins. Yeah. Use Legozamo. The pest. Use someone from the pest. <laughs> Well, I got to him through it. It was just too many moves. Yeah. So I got to figure out a way to get to him a little bit faster. So you go, well, we'll do Balls of Fury. We'll go to... I'd be really impressed if you could get to him through the bus driver from Speed. I don't know that guy's name. (laughs) Sam. (laughs) (laughs) It is Sam, but I don't know his actual name. Oh, can you get to him through uh, uh, Jeff Daniels? What What if I reverse engineer it? So start with So start with Keanu. Hopper. I'm going to Dennis Hopper. Hopper's who, but yeah, you got to get the Hopper. 
Well, that's easy. Oh. If you got to get to Dennis Hopper, you just go to um, you uh, you go to Christopher Walken in True Romance, Christopher Walken and James Hong in Balls of Fury. Dude, dumb. There you go. Yeah, that's two so, degrees. Oh, okay. So that made it a little bit easier on me. I was killing you with the Keanu thing. Yeah. All right, there you go. So, two degrees to get to. I Apple. was really excited. I was able to do it through the Mario Brothers. Unfortunately, it was just too many degrees. I really, I really would respect you if you could use Sam the bus driver. What's his name? Like his his actor name? Yeah. How the fuck would I know that? I don't know. Has yeah. he been in anything else? Has there? How many other movies do you know with a speeding bus that calls for a really adept and calm bus driver? I think he was an actor, so. Well, maybe that's his thing. Like, you know, he, he's typecast. He's as typecast a as a bus driver. Hey, you know, we saw. They can you maintain speed. a certain speed. We saw you at speed. We thought you'd be a really good fit for uh, that scene in The Specialist where Stallone kicks a guy out of a bus window. Jesus. All right, so that's our uh, perfect weapon episode. What uh, we got something special for March, don't we? March is big. March is going to be big. We're March is going to be Arnold Action Month. We're going to cover Last Action Hero, which I've been te- teasing on the Twitter a little bit. I watched it the other day. I love I love Last Action Hero. I love it. My cousin had the axe murderer doll that would put two hands over his head and grip the axe and throw it. His cousin's been in therapy for a long time, <laughs> and that explains it. So Last Action Hero, what are the other two? The Last Stand, which is a more recent Arnold movie. Um, and that was a flop, not good. It was a flop. It's it is. It, I like it, it, but it was a flop. Upsetting. It was. Okay. Uh, I forget the name of the Korean director that did it, but he had made a couple other really awesome movies. I think the good, the the good, the bad, and the weird was one of them. It's hard to do flops for Arnold because when you look at like the movies he's been in, he hasn't done that many. Like what, fifteen, twenty in that range, maybe. He's in. He's close to thirty. No. Yeah, I oh. think. Yeah, you know, I mean, his career started in the late 70s. And at one point in time, I owned every single Arnold Schwarzenegger movie besides The Villain, which would also be probably a flop where he plays a cowboy. What's Kirk happening? Douglas is in it. Is it a porn? It, <laughs> I haven't seen it, so maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> what's the... Uh... What's the well? If it was if there was a porn with Arnold Schwarzenegger, you definitely would have seen it. So it's not a porn. Good what's God. what's the third Fair movie? Enough. And the third movie is Batman and Robin. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah. So Batman and Robin will be the send off for Arnold Action Month. I can't I'm wait to with a hashtag that. for it. Marchenegger. Could be Marchenegger. Could be Schmarch or Schmarchenegger. That's yeah. You could do that too. Hashtag Schmarch. Uh, I love Arnold. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I actually won't have a lot of bad things to say about most two of the movies. Yeah, by the way, we're not haters. I, Speaking for myself, I love everything Arnold does. I love The Perfect Weapon growing up. Like These movies are exactly what they are. They're just action movies. Um, actually, movies like Ready to Rumble, I don't mind poking fun at. I didn't really enjoy that. But yeah, all these action movies, I, I you know make fun of them out of the bottom of my heart. It's like your friends, when you break their balls, those are the friends you actually like. These movies were putting them on this show and, you know, calling them flops, but we really enjoy them. There's a reason I, we're re- willing to rewatch them. 
And I would never, ever say I could make a movie better than any of the people that have made any of these. No. So it's really all in good fun. We're just passing and time here. Either you way, need we're to... promoting them. Yeah, it's a so, podcast. You just kill time, listen to this, don't take anything too seriously. It's I a... am psyched for Arnold Action Month. I did never need an excuse to watch an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. And when I was talking to my wife about this, I told her... Oh, we get it. I got very, married. I got very sentimental. Because I said, you know, the day that Arnold passes away is going to be don't, a, don't it's even, be a dark day for me. Don't say stuff like I that. I hope you're prepared. Don't, that's not because you know Arnold recently had an open heart surgery. He's uh, fine, and he's fine. But I isn't was like, Chuck Norris like eighty? Arnold's going to make it to eighty. Chuck is a pious man, though. Was well, that true? Yeah. Yeah. He did, he's not into. Didn't he do a movie with a dog where they hunted down the KKK? Yeah. Just check. That could probably be covered on this movie. <laughs> On this podcast, there's right. a lot of movies with cops and animals. You usually that all fit the mold for this show. You usually <laughs> consume decent media. I actually go to you for recommendations on stuff. So let's keep that going. Any uh, any movies, podcasts, TV shows, books, anything you want to throw out there that maybe I should try to consume or start reading? You want to put out there for the fans? So movie wise. Uh well I I've, I've been doing a lot of reviews for the for the Punisher season 2 for revengeofthefans.com. Oh how was how was that? The Punisher season 2 is fantastic. Uh it's a shame it got canceled. And obviously I don't think it's because of people who are streaming it because all those shows did really well. I think it's more of a petty decision by Netflix because Disney's going to release their own platform, but yeah. if you haven't watched either of the seasons of The Punisher, you definitely should. They're both awesome. Gotcha. They actually have things to say about like people dealing with PTSD and sort of the effect trauma has on people. And the the characters are deep. They're complex. There's real emotions in The Punisher. I think it's by far the best show that Netflix did with Marvel. I think Daredevil had some good seasons too, but for the most part, the shows are kind of a mess and they're way too long. And they always have wasted space. I didn't find that to be the case with The Punisher season two. I would definitely check that out. And podcast-wise, if you're not listening to like the fanboy on Revenge of the Fans uh, or any of the other great shows that they have to offer, definitely do that uh, because they give you, especially the fanboy podcast, gives you so much great information on what's going on with like the superhero movies, which are the biggest movies now, really. Nice. Uh, for me, I've been doing a lot of podcasts lately. Two that were pretty solid recently were um, The Dropout, and I think the last episode comes out pretty soon, but it's about Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes. Wait, is it is it about Ox after he had to leave school in shame? No, it's not about Ox. getting beat up by the Kempo kid? Absolutely not. I wish. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, but this company, Theranos... And the oh, founder of Elizabeth yeah, Holmes, yeah. she like used a, a real deep voice and dressed like Steve Jobs and said she was going to revolutionize yeah, medical she was testing. Full of, shit, yeah. full of shit, but it's fascinating. They actually interview like people that worked at the company, and you really get the inside scoop about what it was like to work there. Really good. So the Dropout, solid podcast, and then um, uh, on the true crime front, there's one that I've been getting into called uh, Over My Dead Body. I think it's what it's called from Wondery. So check that out. Really entertaining. Those two have been uh, uh, keeping a lot of my attention. So When you say true crime, I have to bring up that HBO is making a docuseries 
called The Case Against Adnan Saeed. So if you ever listen to Serial, and there was always the debate whether you thought he did it or didn't do it or had some role in it, I thought he did. No, no I'm chance. S- I'm so excited for the show. I don't think he did it, and there's some stuff that was left out of the Serial podcast that very strongly suggests he had nothing to do with it. But I, the one thing we just can't figure out is why Jay lie? I will why tell you did this. Jay lie? Jay apparently is in the show based on the preview. Whoa. I'll post that to our Twitter too. It it's so exciting. I really think he had he he had to have known something about it. No kid in their right mind gets a call from the police saying, "Hey, your girl your ex girlfriend's been murdered and can't remember a single thing about that day." It depends on how long ago it it's was. Baffling. It depends on how stoned you were. It's baffling. Look, uh, I'm gonna send you some stuff. I'll, I'll get you on my side at some point. Do that. All right. All right. So that concludes our uh, episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. Get excited for Arnold Action Month. March and Edgar. Hard it to say that weird. carefully. <laughs> so uh, we'll be back. We'll start with Last Action Hero. I'm really excited to talk about that movie. I think that movie is so underrated, so fantastic, and it has a lot of a lot to say about 90s action movies that were full of these stupid tropes, and it actually is really making fun of like the movie we discussed today. That was like kind of because deconstructing the uh, the market medium. was so oversaturated with the hey this guy can do anything, he's so tough and he can never be hurt and he's invincible and he always saves the day. Those movies were everywhere, and they got old. And that movie understood that, and I think it is really underrated. That just ahead of its way, time, just way ahead of its time. Yeah, just like people that Adnan are on Adnan's side. You son of a bitch. He's guilty. Not guilty. That's why he's in prison. Jay lies. Jay definitely lies, but... Jay lies a lot. All you got is Jay. That's all you got. It's it's not a great witness, but I still think Adnan did it. And that's why I'm excited for this documentary. What about where the blood settled in her body, proving that she wasn't in the trunk of a car? Oh. Oh. Oh, yeah. I got you. Uh, I got some stuff for you. I'll get All you right. on my side. We might have to have a, just a podcast dedicated to this. Yeah. I might have to re-listen to Serial. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Just remember, the show is called The Case Against Adnan, which probably means he did it. False. The Case Against Adnan. He's going to get out. Yeah, and then he'll murder some other girl. That's not how that works. Jay should be in hey, prison. Hey, Ted Bundy did it. What? You can't just... He escaped prison. He started killing more women. That's not... You can't just say stuff like that. Is this why you voted for Trump? You sound a lot like him. Yeah, I'm cutting that Nailed out. it. <laughs> Nailed it. Out. Keep that not. in. That is a lie. No, that Jay the, is the on thunderous the wizard... The thunderous <laughs> wizard would never... I try not to get political on this podcast. Don't do it at all. Very yeah. Trumpian logic, though, but, uh, to say he did it because uh, Ted Bundy did it, too. I wouldn't vote for Trump if somebody You're took so me to the voting booth and right told now, me they were going to chop my arm off. Zero chance. Okay, so this is a pro-Trump podcast. You just got all that from... Uh, I'm cutting that out. From, all of it. <laughs> from all the, of it. From the wizard over there. All right, we'll see. Uh, or We'll talk to you guys next week. Case against the wall. People who can pole vault. Won't work. <laughs> Done. It's over. I can't believe he pole vaulted with a metal pipe. Pole vaulted with a metal pipe he found randomly. A Anybody st- could pick that up at a scrapyard. <laughs> Still got over it. Walls are stupid. Unbelievable.